You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, hey, y'all. It's Bridget here. I had the pleasure of having a very spirited conversation with a dear friend of mine, Lynn House. Lynn House has had a long and extensive career in the beverage industry. She is the National Spirit Specialist and Portfolio Mixologist for Heaven Hill Brands. Lynn has been a top four Tales of the Cocktail Spirit Awards National Finalist for Best American Bar Mentor and twice top four Best American Brand Ambassador. Lynn has curated the spirits and beverage programs for Michelin Star and James Beard Awarding Restaurants. She is dedicated to promoting equity and equality in the hospitality industry. Lynn shared with me her passion for mentorship, her background and love for the beverage industry and for theater, and so much more. So grab yourself an Elijah Craig cocktail and enjoy the show. Lynn, welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on today's show. Well, hello, Bridget, and Happy New Year. What a great way to kick off 2022. It's already off to a better start. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, Lynn, I've known you for quite some time, um, being that you're based in Chicago, and I'm pretty much in your your backyard. And I really have had the honor and the pleasure of watching your career on the sidelines through the past, I don't even know, it seems like maybe a decade or more. And would really love for our listeners to know, you know, how did you get your beginnings in the beverage industry? You know, what was your path? Well, it was a very, very unintentional path. So my um, passion and my degree, I went to college and studied theater and I actually paid my way through college. And part of how I paid my way through college was I worked in a restaurant uh, that was called Attractions. So this was the 1980s and it was very niggle and all of that, you know, and it was frozen blue drinks and purple drinks and green drinks and big time and all of that. But I worked there for three years and I, much like theater people, I think people in the hospitality industry, restaurant people are of the same ilk. You know, it takes a special kind of person. And so I kind of felt like I found my people. <laughs> And many of those people who I actually worked with back then, I mean, we're talking 36 years ago. Um, I'm still great friends with two of them are my my daughter's godparents. Um, But I worked there for three years. And then when I graduated college and I moved to Chicago, you know, I moved here as a professional actor and I did a lot of work as acting. But in between shows, I always went back to working in a restaurant or working in a bar because it was easy work to get. Um, I liked the people who worked there and um, the environment was fun. Not working in an office was fun. The hours, you know, you met celebrities all the time. Uh, I used to work in a place where it was like nothing but like sports people who came in all the time, you know, so I waited on all the big wigs as acting kind of slowed down a little bit. Really, the craft cocktail movement was picking up. So we're looking at 2005, 2006, and that's actually when we met. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes, it was. And I know that a lot had happened like up until 2005, you know, you had the pleasure of really bartending in an era where you had to learn on your own, right? How to make cocktails before that time, because there wasn't Google, there wasn't beautiful cocktail bars in every corner like there is now, you know, or even um, the reference of historical cocktail books were really a thing yet, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I can even remember in college working and somebody wanted something with bitters in it. I had no idea what bitters were. I was like, what? And then we like found this like dusty bottle 
behind the bar, Angostura that have been like touched once in the, the whole bar's 10 year history, you know, then to progressively. And I um, was fortunate. One of the jobs, I can't think of the name of the hotel when I first moved here, but I, um, I lied my way into a lot of jobs in hospitality where I said I had a lot more experience than I did. And, and because of acting skills, just kind of faked it, <laughs> you know? So um, whether it was fine dining, I remember I didn't know how to open a wine bottle and like selling a $300 bottle of wine and like, oh my gosh, I have to go do wine service. I don't know how to open this to, you know, working somewhere and they ordered a gimlet. And I was like, I don't know what a gimlet is. And so it was, you really just had to self-teach, you know, a lot of people had at least one cocktail book behind the bar and scramble through it. And um, so it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of learning on your feet back in those days. Absolutely. It was. And I know that um, just from knowing a bit about your career is that before you really jumped into the spirit side, you were, you were very knowledgeable on the balance of flavors and, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I, I believe that you really start off in wine. I did start off in wine, like wine. Yeah. I mean, I love spirits. So there's a little interesting thing with that and flavors. Um, my family is from the South. And so I grew up with my mother and my grandmother making homemade wine and moonshine and dandelion wine and dandelion beer. And I mean, as kids, I can remember being given pillow sacks and having to go out and pick dandelions for them to, to distill or elderberries or wild grapes for them to distill. So I grew up around that. And we were always allowed a little sip, a little taste. But um, I also grew up um, with two grandmothers that were phenomenal cooks. And my mother was a phenomenal gardener. So I grew up with flavor and working with them in the kitchen. And um, wine just became like, really kind of one of my first liquid passions. And I spent a lot of time studying it, learning about it. I worked in fine dining for a long time here in Chicago. I mean, that's just where the money was. And so I had a great opportunity to go to wine tastings, to have winemakers come to the restaurants that we, you know, came to and, and sit down and I'll just ask a question and keep asking questions. And, you know, I would always go to wine tastings and like, I know you're hiding something under the table, pull it out from the table, teach me about it. And so that was a really huge passion for me. So it was very interested when I um, shifted into the spirit side, I really approached a cocktail and a spirit like a glass of wine. And I would look for those layers of flavors and um, for it to hit the front, the back, the finish, all of that was kind of, I think a little different type of terminology that I was using um, than other people were as far as describing spirits, which I think gave me kind of a unique advantage because I wasn't doing what everybody else was doing once I really started to dive in. Uh, I, I do think that you are, if not, you know, one of the most well-rounded versed beverage professionals, at least I can say in the United States for sure, because you do come with that background of flavor. You do come with that background of wine and then you have spirits on top of it and you know how to make a damn good cocktail. So it's just like this perfect marriage from all of your experience that you're able to put to work. And I've seen it and I've witnessed it and it's absolutely amazing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. It's absolutely true. Talk to me about then your transition and where did you go to college very quickly? So I grew up in Ohio. Um, and even though I'm a diehard Buckeye, yay, Rose Bowl. <laughs> I, know. I know that's a contention in your house. It is. Um, but um, but I went to Miami of Ohio in Oxford, Ohio. So I went there and um, got my BFA in theater and a minor in arts management. Very cool. And then you found your way over to Chicago, where you learned to transition out of the blue drinks into the wine world and then to some more sophisticated balanced cocktails. Do you want to talk just a little bit you know, about that journey and what brought you to where your amazing role to where you are today with Heaven Hill? So there are um, a couple of people I've got to credit, um, yourself included, because you were my first formal teacher and mentor and um, I can remember after um, attending the academy, you pulling me aside and saying, like, are you thinking about this as a full time career? Because you really should. And I was like, well, I'm thinking about it. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I had been working in fine dining and I just kept elevating to a higher restaurant, you know, bigger price tag to make better money. And it's no longer around. But I used to work at the historic pump room. And there I met a lot of people 
including our really good dear mutual friend, Debbie Peak. She had just won some cocktail competition and brought in her big statue from it, you know, her award from it. And I was like, oh, I like awards. <laughs> and I was like, well, how did you do that? And she was like, you, you know, because we were working with high end spirits at this time, as well as wine and everything. And she's like, you should go take this class and study and you'll learn a lot of things. She's like, it inspired me to get involved in my first competition. And that was the academy that you led. And uh, I remember sitting in the first day, just being kind of mesmerized. Again, so many people that I've met there have gone on to do so many things and are still great friends. I remember you being a little tough on me at one point because we did a gin class and I couldn't stand gin. I had a very bad college experience with gin. Oh boy, sorry. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I can do this class. And I remember you were like, if you're going to pass, you have to sit through gin class. What was great was I walked into it with this certain perception about a, a certain spirit and I walked out loving gin. And now I drink gin all the time. I think particularly coming from wine, I always thought that spirits were one level. And so I really got to start to learn more about the nuances of different spirits and their flavors and how you get a 50 different vodkas and they're all going to taste different. 50 different whiskeys are all going to taste different gins, you know, what you like, what you don't like. And I just was bit by that bug. And it was so exciting because it was bringing in theater. There was creation. There was flavor. It was something new. There was a challenge. Um, I'm incredibly competitive. Um, I remember you encouraging all of us to do a competition, just, you know, and um, I, I didn't do well the first one. And I was like, I will never not do well again. And after that, <laughs> I just started competing more and more and more and doing better and um, continued on with the Advanced Academy and went through other programs like FAR and, and, and studied other things. And I just kind of fell in love with the way that there was no ceiling in the world of spirits and cocktails and everything was brand new and being rediscovered again, you know? And so it just grew from there. And, and then I stopped waiting tables. I start, stopped focusing on wine and just started really focusing on spirits, spirit education, learning everything about liquid, tea, coffee, water, ice, all of those things and ended up where I am today. Let's talk a bit about where you are today, because it's interesting to me, you know, 20 years ago, the role that you currently have today did not exist anywhere. You know, it didn't exist anywhere. And when you look back on your career, you know, starting off with the blue frozen drinks and there wasn't a path, there wasn't the Google, there wasn't. And I do think that the industry is very spoiled now. I mean, I think that, you know, because you can, you can pick up a book, you can take a class where you kind of learn like the hard way, which was, you know, and not the right ways. Right. And so, you know, if we can just take it back a bit and look at like all those blue drinks that you made and it's that evolution into where you are today with a role that has really um, opened the door for so many others, roles like yours, you know, that just weren't there. And so can you talk a little bit about what you do and also the great um, mentorship that you champion um, throughout the industry? So there has been such a huge Evolution. I will agree with you that I think a lot of the industry is spoiled, particularly like two generations out, you know, from where we are, because they they never had to deal with a broken ice machine and figure it out. We didn't even have fancy ice. We just had pretty chip ice, (laughs) you know, and if it was slushy, it was slushy and you just made the drink. Um, as opposed to, you know, you walk in now, oh, that's the kind of, I'm like, oh, yes, whatever ice you got in it, just make a good drink, you know, and not knowing how to tweak that. And, and we didn't have the books and we didn't have the classes and mentorship. And even right now we've been in this pandemic, there's still so many virtual opportunities for education and a lot of the certifications you can do virtually now that we did not have that coming up. It was just, you had to learn how to do it. And if the dishwasher didn't show up, you were washing your dishes and you were making your drinks at the same time. And you just figured it out and you kept your drink times good. So I, I do think that there's a lot to share with my generation, which sounds weird for me saying that now, but, you know, to really share with people about just kind of some of the hard work that goes into it, you know, back in blue drink days, I would have never thought that I would be in a role with a, with a major producer of spirits that I am now. And I started off as a national brand ambassador with, you know, with my company. I'm always looking to learn. And um, I never liked being in a box. So I just kept digging and finding more information. And eventually they were like, we have to create a new role for you. 
um, which was the national brand educator role, because they're like, you're doing more than just representing this one brand and you've taken the initiative to go out and, and do all this stuff. And, and I remember back in my acting days, I um, used to do stage readings at the Goodman Theater. And I was very privileged to do a couple of readings for um, the actress, Regina Taylor, who's also a director. She was a woman of color who's had this amazing career from I Fly Away to directing, you know, Tony Award winning plays and writing them. And I asked her, I'm like, what is the key to your success? You know, um, because it's hard out there, particularly for women and women of color in a lot of industries. And it was very hard in theater. I'm like, but you work all the time. And she's like, you have to create your own work. That has always stuck with me. You know, she says, no one's going to create it for you. So that's really what I did, even within the spirits industry was like, I knew I wanted bigger roles. I wanted to do more. I didn't want to just represent one brand across the country. I wanted also to have some influence um, and to have an impact, create legacy in the industry. So it was up to me to create that work. So um, now I'm in the role of spirit specialist and portfolio mixologist for the entire company which is like 60 brands, <laughs> you know, and um, which is a new role that also never existed, but it was like the work that I was creating for myself and how I was putting myself out there. I've been very lucky to have some really great mentors. And so I think mentorship is really important and particularly for women in the industry and people of color in the industry. If you have the opportunity to lend a hand and lift somebody up, you know, and be that mentor, whether you had someone mentor you or not, if you're in a role to create opportunity, that's the greatest gift. And that's the greatest way to create legacy for yourself. So, you know, I worked with Tales of the Cocktail and with Speed Wrap and with work and with some other organizations, mentoring people. My messenger pages on Instagram and Facebook are filled all the time with people asking questions, you know, and I'm always, always, you know, there to give advice um, or to share lessons or to sometimes somebody who just, you know, needs a little shoulder to, you know, to lean on because the industry can still be very frustrating. There's still a lot of, a lot of um, ceilings that need to be broken, you know, and walls and barriers that need to be torn down. And um, I think it's really important also just to listen and be kind. And that's, those are the lessons that really inspired me. And so I'm trying to, you know. And you do. And listeners, if you don't follow Lynn, which is crazy, if you don't, I'm not social <laughs> media, you really need to, because you're always putting out very positive, thoughtful messages and challenging messages as well. I love reading your posts. I look forward to reading them because, you know, it's always a moment you read it and then you can sit and think about it. You know, and then once in a while, you you might put like a cute picture of one of your awesome grandchildren on there as well, your pickles. But, <laughs> but you're very intentional, I guess the word is, about what you're putting out there. And so, you know, I do want to just um, take it back again in your journey. You know, as we, we talk about what we're just coming out of or going back into, I just don't know with this pandemic and this new strand. And I, I think that there's going to just keep being new strands like, there is of the flu, right? It's mm -hmm. probably not going to go away. Um, but we've gone through so much as a society and the beverage industry um, has gone through so much and has done some shifting and some much needed changing, but still needs a lot of work because we do know that it can be quite toxic um, in many areas of the industry. And so when we look back on the last couple of years, like through the social unrest, through the pandemic, through all this that we're living, through all this trauma, what is what are some of the positive things to change that you have seen or some of the positive work that you have seen in the past couple of years that just really wasn't happening prior to I 2020? That, um, probably the most positive thing that I've seen first are people listening to each other, you know, because the issues that we are tackling and dealing with now in our industry have always been there and there has always been somebody speaking about them, whether it's equity, equal pay, insurance, you know, hours, all kinds of different things, harassment. But I feel because, you know, for the most part, if you think about it, 2020, 
we were all stuck at home and had no no other choice but to just look at these screens and have this messaging coming in. We weren't going out and seeing anybody, particularly during all the lockdowns. And so I think that's created opportunities for listening. I think it's also particularly through social media, which is, you know, in the most part, a, a free network to use, has allowed other people to put their voice out and find ways that they can be impactful without being a millionaire or, you know, having a venue or trying to host a seminar. We're seeing all these great little pop-ups online of people really focusing on health or having conversations about equity, having conversations about the toxicity that does exist and sexual harassment that does exist, you know, in creating, you know, conversation and you're seeing more and more conversation. So I think that's been really, really positive. There's just a, a focal lens. And then you add on what we have with all the social unrest that just, you know, put a magnifying glass onto that. The challenge has been out there. Why aren't you doing better? You know, and the spotlight is still really on there in social media and, and you really can see instantly anyone who's not being kind, not being better, not trying. There are a lot of people who are just challenging other people, like be, just be better, be kind, you know, do something. Don't just complain. And so I think that's been a positive. I had seen, I've seen definitely some positive shifts in a lot of companies and a lot of how some festivals are operating, um, how brands are operating. And you said the word intentional. I think people are being a little more intentional right now, which is a really good thing. There is a positive out of this. There's a lot of positive out there as well, but there's so much more work to be done. And I know that you and I both have daughters and and you have grandbabies and, you know, we do want to leave the world a better place than we obviously found it. And being in, in the beverage industry is not for the weak. I say it's, it's really tough. It can just run right over your face if you let it, you know? But there is so much opportunity and joy to be found um, within the industry as well. Who are some of the um, folks right now that you are really spotlighting in your career? Maybe some people that inspire you, Lynn, um, that really deserve to have the light, you know, shined on them. I love um, I love what um, Lauren Taylor and Alex Jump are doing with Focus on Health. I'm really, really proud of them, you know, to have known them and bear that generation behind. So um, what they're doing, what they've created and really what their focus is on has been great. I think what Chris Marshall has been doing with Sands Bar has been really, really cool. Um, It's dry January, you know, although um, I heard the term juicy January the other day and I'm like, oh, I like that. That's a more positive way. Juicy, kind of, juicy January. Juicy January, yes. I'm I mean, down with that. I love it. It's just like being more intentional and resetting. and But, you know, creating just the conversations. We talked about toxicity. We do have to talk about, you know, some of the toxic behavior that can happen in our industry. And so there's a lot more open conversations about that. Um, I love what Turning Tables is doing. Um, you know, creating educational opportunities for, for people of color to learn more um, about this industry, because there are great opportunities. Like you don't have to be a college grad to succeed in this industry. And that's one of the things that's pretty great about it. It creates, it's, it's a trade. So it creates opportunity. It's an alternative to that. Um, gosh, who else? I love what Jackie Summers, he's always challenging our brains and our minds um and just puts it out there and it's and it's great um he likes he just likes shaking the trees <laughs> and so i think that's fantastic what he's doing i mean there's just so many so many people out there that um i'm really drawing inspiration from and um some of them are new stars some of them are old stars you know claire sprouts with what she does with sustainability and that messaging is fantastic you know but it's cool to see all those all those names, a great dear friend of ours who I'm really loving what she's doing, Angie Jackson. And oh, can we just stop? Can we just pause for one second? We've had Angie here on the podcast. I love Angie. I think I've been friends with Angie for about as long as I've been friends with you. And I always admired her as well. And my God, is she doing some beautiful work through her book, through her witchcraft? I know. Antiquing, and she's so bold. She's just, she's she's really got a mission to put Michigan on the map and people 
what this other market is like and mm-hmm. what the Midwest market. I mean, you know, Chicago, we lived in New York and San Francisco shadow. We still kind of too for so long. Mm-hmm. Really drawing focus as to like the riches that are here in the Midwest and what's going on and our and our viewpoint, particularly in hospitality. Yeah. I mean, we've all known each other for about the same. We've got the pictures to prove it, but yes, we do. <laughs> she's just a bundle of energy. And I really love that she found her voice and is, and is being authentic. You know, I think the people that I'm really gravitating the most toward those who are, who I'm finding are authentic. No matter yeah. what messages. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. She is really taking all that she knows and all that she's always known. Also, she's always and putting it out there in big ways. So listeners, if you don't know Angie Jackson, uh, her podcast is available everywhere that Served Up is, and you need to check her out on social media. She's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Elixir fixer. So yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Lynn, one of the questions that I get often, and I just got this question today, actually, as well, is that um, I have people reach out and always asking, you know, how do you break through our industry? How do you start out? Because I'm going to tell you something. Um, I would have answered it very differently 20 years ago versus and I answered that question today because the opportunities today are so different. And so I'm just going to you know, put that question back to you. You know, if you want to get started off in this industry, where do you start? Wow, that's a big question because they are there are so many paths. It's not just working in a bar. It could be working for a brand. It could be working for um, a distributor. It could be owning your own spirits company. You know, like there's just so much. It could be consultant. It could be advocacy. If you have the opportunity to, and this is something that chefs do in the kitchen all the time, is stage. For those who don't know, that's essentially working for free somewhere for a week. <laughs> and, um, but you, if, but if you have opportunities, cause I remember some people would come and do that at my bar. They're like, can I just like work a night or two in the bar with you? I'm like, absolutely. So they can see, you can see different venues. This is the kind of venue. If you want to get into the bar side of the business, if you want to work in a restaurant or if you were going to work in a straight bar or whatever, you know, if you know people volunteer network, Vistaprint, and I think you taught me this lesson is have business cards made with your name, even if it just says like Lynn House bartender and nothing else in my phone number, like yep. the title. So that when you're at, you know, festivals, events, whatever, you can pass that information on along and let, let people know. I mean, I remember one of the greatest things that I got to do that really also sparked uh, my interest in this career was I got to bar back for Tony Abogano at an event. I think you would look for volunteers and it's mm-hmm. like, it's not going to be anything. And I'm like, why would I turn that down? And it was such a great learning lesson just to work behind him for an evening, you know, yes. and how he works, saw how he interacted with people. And that also helps with just networking. You know, um, there are classes and seminars all over the place. Attend those. That helps with networking, get to know the teacher, dress to impress when you go to those. So look like you want a job. Um, Obviously the books, the classes and all of that, you know, learn the craft. This is truly a craft and it is a true trade. So give it that respect because it is so competitive right now, I think. And people really are looking for authenticity that if if you're a fake, that's going to be smelled out really quickly. Yep. Um, you know, and then don't be upset about starting from the bottom. And I think one thing that does frustrate me with, um, particularly on the bartending side, young bartenders, is they'll work a job for three months and then a new place opens and they'll work for three months and then a new place open and go to that. And if I'm looking at your resume, I'm not going to hire you because I'm not going to make that investment. You know, find somewhere and stick there, really learn the lessons of that whole business, learn about other sides of the business as well. You know, I used to, years ago, the restaurant's no longer there, spring, but when I worked there, I would go stage in the kitchen with the chef. That's also how I learned about flavors. I would go spend a day working with the cooks, suited up in my white jacket. You know, people are like, are you getting paid? I'm like, no, but this is a CIA trained chef who's a James Beard Award winning chef, and I'm gonna work in his kitchen for free. Mm-hmm. One day a week, and I'm going to learn about knife cuts and flavors, and you know all kinds of things like that. So, 
just don't think it's a direct path. Sometimes it's doing a couple of different things for it to come together. Yeah. You just mentioned something that is a standout. You know, you said like a lot of the young bartenders staying somewhere for three months and then just, you know, boogieing on to whatever the next best thing is. And sometimes it is okay to stay put for a bit. The grass is not always greener. Sometimes it's okay to, especially I feel, I mean, unless it's an environment that you're just don't feel safe in or, you know, just then of course move on. But if it's a job that you are getting a paycheck from, and you are getting tipped nicely from, let's say, um, it, it, that might be a great place to try and work every position that you possibly can in that restaurant or bar. I know I, I work dish for a country star restaurant. I, I can't stand country music, first of all. So that just tells you the rest <laughs> of the, the rest of the story wasn't, wasn't awesome. It was like it was hell. However, I started working dish and serving the tables eventually made my way to bar back and then bartender. And I was able to really, I won't even say master any of those positions, but I was hungry enough to want to learn and to understand all of those. But you got to give yourself some time to do it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you don't really learn anything in the first three months. You're like, I've no. just the employee manual or the menu or, or whatever. And, you know, and, and I would also say like when you're in those venues, don't be scared to ask. It's the whole thing Regina Taylor said, create your own work. Like, hey, I would love to contribute a cocktail to the menu. Can you mentor me or can I present? And maybe you won't get the first three things you present, but you can show and taste and, and start to learn, you know, about that person's, you know, what makes them successful and why they have that menu. And yeah, just learn as much as you possibly can about it. 100%, 100%. You know, you mentioned like mentorship. Can you talk a little bit um, about the difference between mentorship and sponsorship? You know, how do you see those being different, especially in the corporate world, you know, where, where you and I both sit and the importance of both? Mentorship is more of, um, I guess, like a free, <laughs> you know, mentorship is really, um, it's, it's, a, it's a more of a personal investment of time, not only from the mentor, but the mentee as well. So the person who's being mentored has to show up and be in a place of openness and learning. It doesn't mean that you're going to become a carbon copy of this person, but we all have lessons and things to teach and to offer, whether it's our greatest mistakes, what makes us successful. And so listen to that. And so for, for both in a, in a mentorship mentee situation, I think both people have to also be willing to be vulnerable um, and really talk about it because you learn, you, I mean, I almost learn more from my mistakes than I have from my successes. Um, and so to me, that's what mentorship is. And it's, and it's not telling somebody what to do. It's kind of guiding them to help them find their own voice so they can create their own path. And that's what I see mentorship about. Sponsorship literally is just, there is an intent and <laughs> there's going to be a check written for whatever, you know, if it's, this is, and the sponsor really gets to dictate what the outcome is, you know, it's not really a give and take process. Not that there can't be give and take within sponsorships and things like that, because there is a lot, particularly now, but in a sponsorship, that's to me kind of a, it falls into like the world of marketing and it's always going to be something that's going to satisfy the person that is sponsoring you more than anything else. Mm-hmm. If it's like a grant or something like that, like there is going to have to be a payout back to mm-hmm. them and whatever, you know, good press promo, you put out a good word, you know, your success, they get to say this person was some that, you know, that we sponsored, but when it's mentorship, it's really more of a, I just think it's really personal and it's a give and take. And there's a lot that the person is mentoring can learn from the mentee as well. I agree. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and I've had, I've had successful mentorships and I've had unsuccessful mentorships, mm-hmm. you know, and so that was also a learning lesson for myself as well. What boundaries do I have to create in order to, you know, make it more of a, a successful relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you a thousand percent. I know I've made every mistake, every single mistake. I, I made it, you know, <laughs> I think that um, I'm better for it. You know, I think if you own your mistakes and you look at them and you can correct them moving forward, that's an amazing thing. You know, I think that a lot of times we get bogged down by 
the ways that we have screwed up, Yeah, you know, the way that, especially in mentorship, you know, as a mentor, I know I've messed up in a million ways. Um, I've had successes. I have to, to have failures, you know, and I look towards them so that I don't make those mistakes again, mm-hmm. but it's also part of the process. It's a part of growing as a human, absolutely. you know, which, which we all are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe it's getting older mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, accepting their, you know, accepting, wow, when you, like you say, you look back on the span of life, I'm like, I made a lot of mistakes. I'm, I'm where I am today because of the mistakes I made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not mad at any of them, you know, because I'm like, I am here today because of the mistakes I made, you know, some of them I made over and over again for a while. <laughs> <laughs> some of them it took me a long time to learn. Lynn, just stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, but I'm like, it, it got me to where I am today and I feel really good. And I do feel like I am in a better place to be a mentor to somebody because I feel grounded. And mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. I try to be, I'm a Virgo. We always, try to <laughs> I know you are, <laughs> you know, you know exactly what that's like. I do. <laughs> do I do? Yes, you do. Um, but I recognize that I'm not, and I can even have fun and poke fun at myself for it now, which I don't know if 10, 15 years ago, I would have been able to do that. So, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. You know, let's talk a little bit about what gets you excited now in the industry. Your your career does span, you know, a couple of decades here, right? Yes. So, so what? So, you know, watching it evolve, watching the beverage industry evolve over the course of a few decades, right? And seeing um, such changes happening, very exciting changes. You know, there's always there's definitely a toxicity within our industry that we spoke about, but there are, there are some beautiful changes that are happening, right? What excites you the most here and now about our industry? I am so super excited about the advocacy portion of our industry right now. Just having this conversation with my boss, (laughs) you know, I'm really, really excited and inspired by the energy that's being infused with that by bartenders, by brands, by suppliers, all kinds of people about really making the hospitality industry a better industry and coming out of these two years, whether it's DEI initiatives, you know, I spent the summer attending a lot of virtual DEI things, um, whether it's uh, sustainability. I'm, I've always been a huge, you know, I'm the garden girl. So I've always been like a grower, a huge sustainable person, um, mentorship, education. And there's all just kinds of other things that I think we've just scratched the surface to make our industry more welcoming and more, you know, inclusive, which it should be. It's hospitality. So it should be welcoming and it should be inclusive. And what are all the things that can't? So I'm super excited by all the energy that's behind that. I love it. I, I got to tell you, I absolutely love it. It, um, it it gets me going and I get really excited um, about some of the initiatives I've gotten to work on through that. I'm also just excited by, I think one thing that as another positive that came out of the pandemic and all of us living this virtual world, we became closer, you know, in a way because I don't have to fly to London to see this person. I'm in meetings on Zoom with someone from London, from California, mm-hmm. from China, from Japan, from all over. And there's people who like, I maybe saw once a year at a festival, you know, I'm now in monthly meetings and they're in Beijing and I'm here. And in that, you know, we're, we're, you know, we flip time so that no one's getting up early in the morning or staying up till midnight for the phone call. And that's been kind of fun. Just like to feel like you're all over the place from one place. And I think that's something that we're going to see obviously continue as we come out of this or it just gets better that um, we have really realized with like these, the podcast, just how this tool actually there's a lot of good that it can bring and bringing us closer together. So I think that's super exciting. And I'm really enjoying that. Well, I I'm enjoying that as well. I think that um, it's so crazy being locked down for as long as we have been, or just being in a very limited, let's say world, right. Even when the um, some of the stipulations were um, lifted. You know, I can tell you at first, even though I'm vaccinated, boosted, all the good stuff, I didn't feel that comfortable maybe getting on a plane and flying to London, let's say, right? right? Too much. But it's so great that I can get on a Zoom or a Teams call 
and see my friends across the pond, as they say. But it's also amazing, like through this virtual world that we're in, how many new faces I've met. Oh my gosh, there are people now who are <laughs> crazy. I'm great friends and I've never met them in person. Yeah. You know, we're doing um, the tag awards in right. this and Holly Graham, I think is one of the judges. She's fine. She's like, we finally get to meet. She's been on my committee working with me for last year. <laughs> I've never met her, you know? And we were just like, when we both realized like, wow, we actually really haven't, you know, when we're on a WhatsApp app together, you know, da, 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 da. And so to that, so that's, I mean, that's going to be kind of crazy. It would be nice. I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I haven't, I've only had one work trip since um, March of 2020. Yeah. Wow. My wings got clipped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Vegas, I think will actually be my first trip outside of one trip to New York. I did for work back in the fall. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to see you in Vegas. Can we talk a little bit about the tag awards since you just mentioned it? Can you tell our listeners what that is and what you'll be, how, how you will be participating? Absolutely. So I mentioned person who's been a great mentor to me and a great mentor to you, Tony Abuganum. So T-A-G, if you all don't know him out there. And this is his inaugural Spirits Awards, which is very, very exciting. It's going to be in Vegas. He's got judges from all over the world coming together. We're going to be judging every kind of spirit out there. Whiskey, aperitif, gin, vodka, rum, brandy, you name it. We're going to be tasting it. Um, There will be a night of women in whiskey, which we will be participating in. A great panel of phenomenal women. So Bridget yourself, um, uh, Charlotte Boise. Nicola Rist, Julie Reiner, who else is on there? Uh, Lauren's on there. And, and yeah. uh, so it's it's going to be kind of unique because there's still this great taboo that women don't drink whiskey, which my family's from Kentucky and they all drink whiskey. So I don't understand that. <laughs> but to have a whole female panel leading a whiskey tasting and in-depth conversation for, for people. And there's some other really great events that are going through and then um, the awards will happen. And then there's the peak tie ball and proceeds will go to um, benefit the Helen Davis foundation, who was Tony's cousin and really um, talk about one person being a game changer in the industry, particularly for women and and really working to tear down some barriers. Um, And the proceeds will go to benefit organization, which goes to fight breast cancer. It's a wonderful thing to be part of. It's a beautiful thing to do. Absolutely. And I do hope that, you know, one day we won't even have to have women in whiskey seminars. It'll just be whiskey seminars, right? Because something you just said really sticks with me pretty hard where you said, you know, uh, people don't expect women to enjoy or to drink whiskey, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Can you talk about that perception of that category and, you know, people like you and I who actually have always enjoyed bourbon whiskey all along. I mean, my great grandma Beulah from Bowling Green, Kentucky made moonshine. (laughs) And she used to drink bonded whiskey. She passed when she was 96 years old. And that was probably the last drink she had. And she always had every night, two fingers of bonded whiskey. And she put a little sugar in it. And I'd always ask her why she put the sugar in it. And she said, because it made it stronger. Because back in the day when things weren't super filtered, the yeast was still there. You know, it would kick. (laughs) And I was like, okay, my great grandma, my great grandma is drinking 100 proof whiskey and is trying to make it stronger. You know, I know when I was running beverage programs, um, I remember a gentleman sat down at the bar and he asked me to make him a cocktail. And he says, but don't make me anything that you wouldn't drink. Like, and I was like, um, okay. So I made him a vodka soda. And he was like, what's this? I said, you didn't want what I drink. And I drink whiskey. So I made you a vodka soda. You know. I love it. I looked at him. I'm like, you want to start this over again? He's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, like, not only did I, I'm like, I'm the buyer and all this brown stuff behind me. I bought and curated this beverage program, you know. And, it, and I don't even, you know, know where that perception is. Like I said, my family's from the South. I grew up with every single person, you know, 
my mom had a, she used to drink tab, but she would drink a bourbon and tab every night, you know, and um, great grandmother, you know, did her two fingers of whiskey and my aunts all drank whiskey and everyone I knew drank whiskey in our family. I just remember it hit a certain point in the career where I'd go into a bar and, you know, they'd ask, do you want a Cosmo? I'm like, I'd actually really like a Manhattan if you can make a good Manhattan. And them being kind of, you know, the bartender always being shocked, like, whoa, you know, little lady. And I'm like, so there's that perception, not only from a consumer standpoint that women aren't going to, because so many bars when I would order a whiskey drink would just kind of look at me, but also from a trade perspective, you know, when I first started brand work and I work for a whiskey house and I'm out talking about whiskey and people who would just look at me and say, I'm so surprised, you know, that much about whiskey. And kind of just have to smile because you're in a public event and you can't curse that person out because you're a brand ambassador. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work very well. Right. Right. You know, so it is it is getting better. There are some really great organizations out there now, groups like Bourbon Women and Women in Whiskey and all of this who are really promoting the fact that there is a whole consumer out there that so many people have not paid attention. We've always been there. So I agree with you. One day it'll be nice not to have to do a panel that's titled, you know, women who like whiskey, women who drink whiskey, you know, women who understand whiskey, but that's still where we're at right now. Yeah. Just, you know, much like my grandmothers as well, we're all whiskey drinkers. Uh, My mother is a whiskey drinker as well. Um, But yeah, it just fascinates me that we, we always need to put that, you know, what sex we are in front of what we drink. Right. Uh, to get the attention and the lore. And maybe someday we won't have to do that. But I am very excited and I am very pleased and honored to be sitting on a, a panel of uh, just professional tasters, like people like yourself at the Tag Awards. You know, it is groundbreaking. It's going to be exciting. It's very diverse. Um, I do believe that they've done their homework and they are bringing people in, not just from America, like you said, but from all around the world. So it's going to be, I think, just a marvelous event. Yeah, it'll be a fun week. We'll be like in Vegas for like four days together. <laughs> I know, which is like 40 days, by the way, when you're in Vegas. Days. It's like four days in New Orleans. You're like, oh my God, have I been here a month? <laughs> I know, absolutely. Well, no, can, I know. Oh, it's so great. Um, can you tell our listeners, you know, what what's next for you, Lynn? What are you hoping that 2022 will bring to Lynn House? Oh, let's see. I'm hoping it will bring travel. <laughs> I'm really tired of my home. Uh, and just continued health, you know, I'm really hoping that, you know, this, these past two years, I won't lie, have been personally just hard as someone who goes out and works out in the field all the time to work from home and from a laptop, you know, I miss people. So I'm excited to go out and see people safely <laughs> um, and hug people and laugh, you know, um, so I'm excited for some human contact. Um, uh, continuing with work, you know, I'm going to be working with DEI projects and stuff that we were doing at work. So I'm really proud to get my hands kind of wet in that and trying out, you know, some festivals, some other festivals to finally be participating in those live again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and some of what's going to be interesting this year is kind of refiguring just what I do. And I think everyone else who's kind of worked on the brand side is doing that as well because it's changed in two years. You know, what we do, what the industry needs, what people are hungry for as far as seminars. So, you know, I have a set list, playlist of seminars that I usually do when I'm out on the, you know, in the market, but I'm looking forward to creating some more that will actually kind of address and deal and um, have adapted from where we've been, you know, the last two years. So that's nice because that's a challenge and that's a learning yeah. and it's creating yeah. more work. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I do believe like when we go to festivals and, you know, back in the day, it would be just fine to bring in um, like a tasting seminar, let's say. And then yeah. back in the day, that was groundbreaking, but now coming out of all of this and the trauma and, and the opportunities as well, that the new doors that are opening, let's say, um, I think that there, it's going to be um, higher expectations or more will be expected of the brands, right? Yeah. Um, to really to lead the way into what will be fresh and new. I think everybody is excited to see what's new that comes to us as far as learnings go. 
Yes, I agree. Because the world is, I mean, has changed. And, you know, I haven't been out accounts like I used to be. Understanding where trade is, where consumers are, there's going to be some new learning lessons from all Mm -hmm. that. You know, we've got things like cocktails to go and a whole bunch of different other programs and delivery and, and things like how you can still be, how can you still be effective for, you know, accounts like that? And help them with those programs. So, you know, I've got no experience with working with that. So, and I do also agree, like that game is just going to have to be up. You know, like I said, you can't just come in and like, okay, we're going to do a tasting bar portfolio mm-hmm. and have that same enthusiasm. People want more and there's a higher expectation. And so I'm looking forward to meeting that challenge. Well, I can't wait to see what you do in 2022 and beyond. I cannot wait to see you next month in Vegas. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to get out of Shorewood, Illinois. As my (laughs) listeners know, out of my freaking house. I can't wait. I know. I have some fun, but I'm just thrilled. And I want to thank you, Lynn, for taking time to chat with me here on Served Up today. Um, It is such an honor and a pleasure to have you on our show. And I want to wish you just a tremendous happiness um, and, and great health and, and a, just a lot of peace as we roll into this new year. Thank you. And right back at you and to everybody listening, like best wishes for a happy and healthy new year. Be kind. That's my, I'm on this be kind kit. You know, let's honor Betty White, be kind, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, working on, on spreading that and joy and, and reconnection. And thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. This was a great honor. It's kind of coming full circle. Sure is. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, but, uh, but cheers to you, Lynn. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!